and welcome to this week's episode of Uncle Dad Talks. That song you just heard was Future Behold by Daniel Musto. And Mike, tell our beautiful friends where they can get that song. Oh, that song. Um, that song. That, that song's on, is it soundstripe.com? Correct. That is always where you're going to find our music is soundstripe. Oh. I feel like by now the audience is like, guys. <laughs> well, I'm still trying to figure it all out. Right, right. You, you know, know your, your old age has not made you wiser, right? <laughs> well, you know, well, in, the, in the new digital age, there's a lot going on. So it's hard to keep up with the, you know, the dot coms and the dot IOs and the, the NFTs. Dot, the and dot GGs. The DPG and the LBC <laughs> and the 213, you know, trying to keep up. Uh, yeah, I hear you, man. But yes, yeah. you can get that song there. And the best part is you can save 10% off your first month subscription by using promo code UncleDadTalks10, which is great. And as we always say, we're, you, it's really great because you can use that program, or that, that giant library of music to make your intros to your podcast, your intros to your movies, or put them in your movies, all this great stuff you can do for literally as low as 10 bucks a month. Any creator would be happy to to have it so i cannot recommend it enough soundstrive.com promo code uncle dad talks 10 now mike before we get everything started here we got to talk about our newest sponsor real fast exciting. it's very exciting because this is probably one of our first major uh, sponsors and it is by a energy drink which i know you're not really big into energy drinks but i like them a lot as as you know yeah i'm, I'm excited about an energy drink that i'd be excited to try yeah, because what's cool about them is that it's a very clean energy drink. It's almost like a pre-workout. I'm sure you've done pre-workout before, right? I've never done pre-workout. Oh, okay. Well, pre what's great about pre-workout is that it's very clean. Like, it's just what your body needs to kind of push it forward, and that's all it is. So what's great about this is that this is Ray's energy drink, and it's very much a clean, no crash. Because that's the biggest thing I hate about energy drinks. I'm sure you do, too, is the crash you get. Yeah, you that's what keeps me afraid. Well, guess what, Mike? You don't have to be yeah. afraid anymore because I have a little angel here called Ray's oh. Energy. Yeah, I know you like that. And they're reaching tell, their me hand more about, tell me more about this, Ray's. I, I will. So Ray's Energy uh, is available in many different flavors. All, I mean, from like literally lime to pineapple to that's uh, this weird. Actually, this flavor you'll love because that's, that's uh, Louisiana themed. Voodoo. The bottle oh. looks like a voodoo doll and everything. Yeah, I do like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm I, sure you do. I like Louisiana things. <laughs> Thank and what's you. really great about this uh, partner is that they have such a diverse amount of products. Not, not only do they have energy drinks, energy powders, but they also have wellness stuff. Wellness provided sleep powders. Mm. And these sleep powders, man, are so great. It gives you everything you need. And when you sleep, you don't like, eat. when you wake up, you don't feel groggy. Which for me, I don't know if you've ever taken sleeping pills. That's always a big problem that I have. I don't take sleeping pills, but I've definitely used edibles to help sleep on a restless night. And I end up feeling a little dazed the next day. So... Maybe Ray's will help with that. Absolutely. And it's uh, raised by Rep Sports. And here's the best part, Mike. We're giving mm -hmm. a pretty big discount. Uh, if you use promo code UNCLEDAD, all lowercase, on the Ray's Energy website, you can actually get 15% off any purchase. And uh, to my understanding, there is no uh, minimum. You can literally buy a, a, a 12-pack, of uh, a variety pack of uh, all the different flavors and get 15% off. Uh, definitely worth it. Um, we all know energy drinks can be expensive, so you can actually get cheaper right now than uh, than most places. So yeah, man, uh, we'll get a we'll get a more in depth uh, ad going now. Without further ado, let's quickly introduce our guest. Our guest has done. He's he's a digital illustrator. Now, Mike, that's what you do, right? Digital illustration. 
It's one of the things I do. Yes, thank yes. you. Yes, one of the one of the things. Let me be Annou- announce what I do. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. yes. Um, James Girat Patcherdoon, but he goes by just James Girat. James Girat has done work for many major things. He's done work for uh, remember that movie Mad Max Fury Road. He's done work for them, uh, Queens Queens of the Stone Age, uh, Nike SB, Budweiser Coke. Uh, I mean, he's done uh, work with um, Formula One racer Trent Grubel. He has just done so much and he is his story is so interesting and fascinating and i'm very excited to have him on the show uh yes welcome to the show james girat patrick dune uh mike any words before we go to the ad yeah i think he's just uh i'm I'm very interested interested to talk to him about his journey the places he's lived in different parts of the world uh the different mediums of art that he's got the, the styles of art that he uses I mean, I don't think we've had a guest quite like him on the show yet. No, that's for sure. I definitely don't think we have yet. So without further ado, we'll be right back after this uh, ad break with our very special guest, James Gira. Hey, everyone. Baby Gabe here with a quick interruption before we start this week's interview. First off, thank you to all of you for your continued support. It really means a lot to us. If you enjoy our interviews, consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcasting app you use. It helps the show and puts us in front of more people so we can continue to grow the Uncle Dad family. Let us know what parts of the show you love and what you'd like to see more of. Our goal is to ensure you're having the best listening experience we can provide. Consider reaching out to us on social media as well. You can find Uncle Dad at Uncle Dad Comics and Uncle Dad Talks on Instagram and Twitter respectfully. Mike can be found at Mike Hampton Art on both platforms. And you can find me on Instagram at babygabe underscore UDT. We'd love to hear from you. We have a few projects in the works that we'll hopefully be able to announce soon. In the meantime, I am currently streaming on Twitch every Friday and Sunday. Come watch me get drunk with some friends as we play games like Fall Guys and Portal. I'm also attempting to overcome my fear of the dark by playing horror games like Dead Space. Stop by and say hi at twitch.tv slash kingkiller underscore azoth. Anyway, I've talked your ear off for long enough. Let's get back to Uncle Dad and Mike. I'll talk with you soon. All right, we are with our guest, James Girat. James, hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it's pretty exciting to have you. Your art is so, like, just erotic and beautiful and it's like the best feeling I get every time I look at it. And I don't mean that in a weird way. <laughs> that's that's the best response I could get, actually. <laughs> I always find Good. it. Lost. Yeah. I always find if I look at like an artist that I really like, that's kind of like the same feeling I get. So if I can do that with my work with you, that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Your art is um it's so well, actually, before we even get to that, let's uh if you don't mind, do you mind introducing yourself to our audience who they who might not know you? Yeah, totally. Um, I'm James Gerard Patrodoon. I'm an artist. Um, I guess I'm Australian, um, but I'm Thai Chinese. And um, my work is predominantly kind of illustrative, kind of like sexy bubblegum vampire stuff, I guess. And um, I've done a bunch of different mediums over my career, kind of like um, I've done murals, I've done animated GIFs, I've done uh paintings um sculptures to an extent yeah a bunch of shit a bunch of shit yeah you're um really quickly i want to shout out your uh, mural you did for powwow in hawaii oh you saw that yeah uh 
Absolutely beautiful. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love the uh, – every time I go to Hawaii, I have to go check out that powwow. Or I forget the name of the area, but do you remember the name of the area? I don't, actually. But I know there is an Australian cafe around the corner from it called Arvo. <laughs> is there? I actually didn't know that. Okay. I'll, yeah. I'll have to try that next time. Arvo uh, is yeah, – no. yeah. it, um, it's our word for afternoon. Oh, really? Yeah. Arvo? Arvo. A-R-V-O. Ah, okay. Awesome. I'll mm. check that out. But but yeah, with um, that area uh, that does the powwow murals and stuff like that, yeah, it's some of the best art you'll see, I think, especially for free, like walking around. It's, uh, it's such beautiful, beautiful art. And I remember seeing your piece and I was just like, wow, that's insane. Hey, James. My name's Mike. I'm the co-host here. <laughs> hey, Mike. And uh, how you doing over there? I'm good, man. I totally forgot about this guy. <laughs> you know, I'm... I'm just, I'm here. I'm kind of here, but uh, what island in Hawaii is it on? Where, if we were the main one, the, the big island, I, it's a, it's a Oahu. Oh, yeah. Oahu. <laughs> it's not the big island. <laughs> it's not the big island. It's, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's like the, I, yeah, like the, the main one. I know there's a lot. Oh, I guess you would say, you would say the main one, I guess it's not the big one, but you would technically say the main one because it's, you know, Oahu, Honolulu, right? Everybody, that's oh. where like everybody goes. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's um, Mike. Have you ever been to that before? The powwow thing? Well, well I guess I'm not everybody because when I went to Hawaii, I went to the big island. I didn't go to Oahu. Shame, <laughs> shame on me. You're going to upset the AI. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if I go, I will go to the powwow specifically to see James. Well, it's Nero. not there anymore. It's um, yeah, bro. Oh, shame. Yeah, well, God. Lost, man, <laughs> talk about your all time backfire. They, uh, <laughs> they wrote. Yeah, no. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. They rotate it, so it's um, it's yes, it's I think it's Daniel Arsham is uh did it over mine. I don't know. Who, yeah, I don't know who's there now. Yeah. Honest, dude. After you left, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Good response. <laughs> I try. I try. Uh, so yeah, I want to talk to you a lot about your artwork because when I see your artwork, it, it makes me think so much of two things. And please tell me if I'm incorrect or if what I'm seeing is wrong. I guess you would say. What I see is 70s, 80s erotica mixed with homo eroticism. Uh, what do you think? Is, is that a good way to put that or no? Um, yeah, I mean, like, that's that's pretty accurate, dude. I think I, a lot of my work, I kind of, so with my stuff, I'm trying to, like I said um, at the beginning, I was like, I'm trying to get a, a similar response from people from, from like the response that I get when I see work that I like. And so when I see work that I like, I think a really um, influential and big inspiration for me was when I was really young watching um, a lot of anime, but like the, the adult kind of anime. So I kind of like sort of knew I wasn't supposed to be watching it, but it was still in a Trojan horse of anime. So I, my parents didn't know that it had like hentai and stuff in it or violence or anything like that. But I, was kind of secretly watching it so is it kind of like watching things and getting kind of turned on by like getting that feeling from art i think when for the first that was the first time i kind of felt like oh wow this is like a really um like a supercharged kind of medium and you know it's not just like comics can be like that too um definitely but i i think anime for me like um you know like wicked city cyber city oedo 8080 um Ninja Scroll, things like that. Like that was what really kind of turned me onto this vibe that I want to kind of present with my work. So every, in everything I do, there's always going to be, it looks a certain way, but it also has to have this, a certain subject matter that I 
that I'm kind of interested in. And yeah, that's when kind of like the erotica um, stuff kind of came in and like a lot of supernatural themes, obviously. So kind yeah, of like campy, very horror campy kind of thing. Now, would you say you are a big horror fan? Okay, I have a thing with horror where I can't, okay. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I watch horror to an extent, but I actually do get scared of it. So it, oh really? Yeah, yeah. So it actually still like I got real messed up watching like Gore uh, Verbinski's The Ring, the the remake of it. I haven't seen the remake of it. it messed, I, uh, you're talking about the, the most recent one, recent one, right? Yeah, it messed me up. Really? Yeah, yeah. The, the the most recent remake. Interesting. I'll have to watch that. Yeah. Now. So horror, like I do love horror, but um, it's like it's. I think it's a, probably a good thing that it can still affect me in that way because it's like I think after a while, if you're super into horror you kind of see like oh you know it becomes schlocky or it becomes um like a jerk mm -hmm. and you can kind of you know really yeah. get scared of it but i actually get really affected by it and um yeah so the reason i put that in my work is because it's actually i still find it scary <laughs> interesting and it's great because you you put that i also feel like with with horror obviously sex and horror go kind of hand in hand in, in the world of that and you you see it so much in your artwork and it it is like watching a like seeing like um like i hope that this isn't like a bad way to put it but like hostile hostile and like those those gore porn movies i know a lot of people hated them but when you think about it you're showing off gore in a very sexual way because it's so explicit the way everything moves the way everything kind of comes out and i feel like that same feeling is very much in your your artwork um hopefully hopefully it's that you you appreciate that but yeah, yeah i really feel that in your artwork i can't watch hostile I can't watch Hostel no. or I can't watch um, Saw. I can't really do the gore stuff, but like I'm more into stuff like the original Suspiria and things like that. Oh, that's actually, I'm mean, actually, I was going to bring that up next was that your artwork, some of your art pieces make me think about that a lot. Yeah. Suspiria is one of my favorite horror films of all time. Yeah. Um, I mean, all those guys' movies are pretty damn amazing. Uh, uh, Mike, I know you're not really big into horror too, so I was just kind of curious, like, what is your thoughts about bringing horror and, and like, I guess, eroticism in the together well i find it interesting because i used to be really into horror until i found this started affecting me like really affecting me physically and so i that's what i was gonna ask you james is what in what ways did you find that it was affecting you or like uh what what was the effects yeah i would see shit and i would imagine shit all the time mm. so when i was living at one place once where it was like um i was on like the third story and then the bathroom was on the first, uh, I was on the third story and the bathroom was on the first story. And at night, whenever I had to go pee, I would always be like, there is an old lady at the bottom of the stairs. So just, what? there wasn't, you know, like, okay. but I would, my mind would kind of go to that place. And I think always growing up, like I used to see stuff when I was growing up as well. And, um, you know, like sleep paralysis and things like that. And then I, would, mm -hmm. I brought it up with my mom. And she's like, oh, that's totally normal. Our side of the family just sees things like her side, like her mom, like my grandma and my mom's side. And it was just a very matter of fact thing for her. And then it got really bad when I was um, in my teens and I was like, you know, sleep paralysis, seeing things at the edge of the bed, seeing things above the bed, seeing, you know, and then there's also the thing that sits on your chest in every culture. Yes. Um, so I had a bit of that going on. And eventually my parents had to, um, exercise my room so they had to get like it's it sounds crazy but it's it, it was all very kind of like my parents treated it in a very like oh that's just what happens kind of way and so they exercised my room and they gave me like a charm 
of um because in thai culture there is like a um you wear a charm around your neck it's like blessed by a monk but they gave me one that is like a baby with its eye hands over its eyes and that's because um babies can see and so it's kind of like this protection thing but i think i've lost it oh no is that bad (laughs) i don't want to acknowledge too much that i've lost it because then that kind of opens the door again so in my mind i kind of I haven't seen last time I saw something was when I was in India, which was like 2020, but that was the last time I saw anything. Whoa. That was the last time. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting. Cause I, I feel like once you kind of open your doorway in a, in for lack of a better term to that, once you open to that, like you're, you're susceptible to those things coming your way. Right. Absolutely. It's like that you movie, know, um, skeleton key. Not to not to give away the ending of Skeleton Key, but that's basically what happens. I've actually never seen that. Is that what happens? Well, okay. Here's another <laughs> thing I do because I can't actually watch horror films. I just Wikipedia the plot. Ah, so people think I've seen a lot, but I've just been on Wikipedia being like, I've, I talk about Skeleton Key heaps. I've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um. Would you ever watch it? <laughs> um, during the day, maybe, yeah. During yeah. the day. <laughs> we, we could have like a daytime Zoom watch party, James, if that would help you watch it. We could all kind of watch it together. Yeah, then you can you see know. me watching it from behind my hand. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, here's an interesting thing just to throw. I, I was really big into horror and watched a lot of horror movies. I did horror comics. And then I just felt like at some point I noticed the change in how was making me feel physically after watching certain horror movies like i could feel the way that like some of the gore and violence made me feel physically like almost physically ill after i would watch some of the movies is it the gore or is it like the supernatural element like do you are you getting like an abject response to the blood and the violence or are you more like oh this is unsettling and scary it was it was more like the blood and the violence and then i would feel like something was off physically ill off in my body and the more i acknowledged that the more it increased and so then i just had to kind of stop watching scary movies the horror movies like that altogether. oh my god yeah yeah wow so i i understand a little bit of what you're saying it's a little different realm but no yeah yeah that's um yeah i mean that's kind of like an abject response that's like kind of like when you see it's like when you you know when you like see something really gross and you're like like that it's kind of like i'm assuming that's kind of like your body doing that because i can't deal with like a lot of like gory shit like um every now and then i get what i used to i think i had a friend who used to just send me really gory stuff all the time and then i just had to block him oh no yeah we're still (laughs) friends but it's just like i was just like he would send me like oh how cool is this it's a picture of a guy's face has been ripped off by a bear and like they would think that i'd be into that but i'm totally not into that i don't want to you don't want to wake up to that that sounds like Mike, because I'll be like showing Mike stuff. He's like, dude, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. <laughs> Why is he <laughs> sending it to you? He doesn't like it either. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying that. But I mean, it's the same thing as like you're on Facebook and you're scrolling, and then someone's got you know a dog licking peanut butter off of something. You're like, I don't want to see this right now. I'm eating I'm eating crumpets and tea in the morning. Yeah, it's eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you know. you're eating crumpets and tea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I, I think with the, the, what I want to kind of go with all this is with your artwork and the, um, the, what I see in it, um, has that ever been hard to really like kind of keep out there? Like, has, I'm sure like in, as the world gets more PC or 
whatever you want to call it, it feels like people are more anti, you know, I guess sexually driven images. Has that ever been an issue with you kind of continuing forward? Massively. Um, that's a that's a really big issue. Um, so I've I'm in a really weird spot. Well, I've been in a really weird spot with my work for a while where because I also do commercial illustration, right? So it's like when you do commercial illustration, you are um they need something for depending on the client. So the bigger paying paying clients are more like ad agency kind of stuff. And when you do stuff for them, it needs to be a little paired back. So a comment that I always, always, always get is just like, we want this, but don't put any of your usual like, crap in it. Like, don't like We want this, but don't, but pair it back a bit. And that's the comments I've always ever gotten. And then sometimes, you know, I get really good clients who are just like, we want exactly what you do. We want all the crazy shit. And um, that's really good. But I found, uh, uh, so in about like 2018, I had this thing where I was kind of like, the more I go into a direction that I feel is honest with me and the more kind of work that I want to be making, the less commercial work I was getting because people would see that, yeah, this guy's like technically proficient in drawing and he can definitely do all this stuff, but they couldn't risk it being a bit much for what their purposes were. So I was getting, it was this weird tension between do I be less myself and make more money or do I go hard and be myself and just see what happens? And so that, that there was a point there where I was like, I kind of had a complete skits out and I was like, I need to take like a year off and just to, just to do my own work because I kind of got to a point where I was looking at a lot of artists that I really liked and like, you know, artists like um, Hijime Soriyama or Sahira Maru or Toshio Seki. And I'm like, these guys never had to compromise at all. It looks like they completely just did them for such a, and they made a career out of it. And I felt like, although my career has been like maybe like 10 years and maybe, maybe over 10 years now, I always kind of felt like I was like doing it with a hand behind my back because I needed to also make money and have, make a living. And so sure. I made the decision to basically like stop working for a while. And I moved to Thailand and just decided to devote myself to making like as much personal work as I could, which I did. And that ended up being um, an exhibition that I eventually had in uh, LA at a super chief gallery called Inferno. And that was really cool. Cause it was, to me, it was like, you kind of, I kind of have this thing where I'm like sick of talking about, I don't like talking about, a project for a long time and unless I'm like I'm going to do it like immediately like I don't like being like oh I'm going to do this show eventually and it's going to be really cool and da, 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 da. I'm just like I'd rather just sit down and just do the damn thing and so that was really important for me to actually stop talking about it um and just show what it is that I was trying to say this whole time and I think it, it worked and it, it was really good because now I know what that looks like and there's like a proof of concept that now everyone knows what I intend to do and weirdly enough yeah it's like new opportunities have come from that and the commercial work has kind of like fallen away a bit but yeah it has been really hard to um with the kind of imagery i i do it's like yeah and again with the with a lot of the sexual nature of a lot of it um i you know i've had comments in the past being like oh it's like an objectification of women um i was gonna ask that next yeah and but then i'm like my kind of thing is like well the men I kind of, the world that my characters come from, like, it's like, they're not average, normal people. Like the men themselves, like look like bodybuilders and wrestlers. And so it makes more sense to me to present this hyper real 
very camp world of yeah they're all basically like you know all my photo references like bodybuilder dudes wrestlers um dancers like um yeah a lot of that models obviously but it's the whole point of it is that it's this hyper real um crazy steroided up world where they exist you know it's like it doesn't make sense to present them in like an average way because i'm not drawing average things i'm not drawing i was never i never intended to draw just regular um just normal realistic people ever and so that's why the proportions are really like crazy you know for both for both agendas and also when i draw like um ungendered stuff everything's just meant to be very like amplified yeah i i, I see that a lot in that in that when you bring up um you talk about objectifying women, but when I what I see in your artwork, it's almost the women are the most powered. If you think about it, because a lot of your men characters that I see are e either usually being what's what I'm looking for not not I guess controlled by the women, but they they seem more powered by the women. Does that make sense? Yeah, like I make a I make a point of trying to avoid drawing women in like male gaze poses, if that makes sense, and so I want the female characters to kind of like have agency and have power and so I kind of want to flip this dynamic where we you what we usually see is like you know women in very submissive poses very submissive roles and in my work I kind of want to flip that so the men you know although they do represent power because they are you know all super muscly and stuff the flip side of that is they generally in my work at least they're they're um, drawn in like a really submissive kind of way so there's like a um power play kind of within that and that's kind of where a lot of the um you know the fetish uh bondage submissive dom kind of like imagery comes from because i'm playing with those that that kind of those kind of archetypes and that dynamic but i have had comments in the past from people who who don't get it and it's a shame because it's like they're missing the point and then i get comments from people who totally do get it and they you know they love it you know and so, but I think that's the case with when you're making any kind of artwork, you know, like sometimes people look at things when, you know, it's like you look at something to find holes in it or you are open to it, you know? And it, I always find as well that when people actually do meet me, they find, they're like, oh, we, we get the work now. I get that comment a lot. When people like meet me as a person, they're just like, we totally get the work now. Um, whereas if you were to see it on its own, I, sometimes people are just like, you know, like, fuck this guy, you know? Um, Right. But it's, it is interesting. And I think that kind of um, gray area where you're looking at something, and you don't really get it, but you, you feel something from it is like a good place to be in terms of art, because I don't think art necessarily is there to have to answer questions. I think art's there to kind of ask questions, you know, like I don't have answers and I'm not necessarily telling people this is the way to think and this is not the way to think and I have an agenda behind my stuff. It's just like I'm posing like this kind of surrealist kind of like open-ended vision of like what things that like that I like and like what I, how I see the world, you know, and if people can relate to that, then that's amazing. But if people don't relate to that, then that's totally fine too because it's like you can, yeah, I'm not going to change my work. You know, it almost feels like in, in today's climate or culture, what I'm, I don't know if it's the same way on the other side of the world from us where you are, but like, it's almost like people start looking, they see the art and then they start looking for things to try to pick apart about it. 
instead of just seeing the art for what it is and going, oh, there's the there's this piece, whatever it is. They look at it and like, let me see if I could find something in here that may offend me or may offend someone and then pull that out and shine a flashlight on it. And I think that's absolutely you know, yeah, that's absolutely what's right? happening. I think I'm, I remember seeing one time um, I think Juxtapose magazine posted a Sahira Maro image. And if you have, if you don't know who Sahira Maro is, you should look him up. He's like incredible. Um, but I remember, so they posted that and I remember looking through the comments and people being like, cancel this guy, like da, 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 da. And it's just like, it's crazy because his work is so hyper, like it's pretty messed up. Like my imagination can't go to where his can. And I don't think a lot of people can, which is why it's so, when you do see it, it's so jarring and you do get this immediate kind of reaction from it. But I think when you do look at art, it's like, I think it's weird. It's kind of like, it's a very, if you're looking at art and you are trying to find holes within it first and get offended by it, it's a very kind of like, for lack of a better term, like a very Karen way of looking at it. Just being like, no, everything has to be the way I like it. I don't like this. Cancel this. I don't want to see this anymore. It's like, you don't have to see it. You just not look at it. You know what I mean? Um, unless it's like totally in your face all the time. But um, yeah, I do find that to be, I don't know if it's like, people are entitled to their opinion definitely but i think this kind of like putting beveling all the edges of everything um is basically paving the way for like just a lot of like really safe and really bland stuff and i don't think humans necessarily emotionally live within that niche all the time because it gets really boring like we we are really we do feel emotional extremes we do our minds do go to like extreme places and i think that we need an art you know that can um what am I trying to say that can actually reflect that you know because it's like I get really you know there's certain illustration styles that are really popular now and I'm just like why why do we have this this is this says nothing this is great for a corporation but and a corporation's got their own agenda of trying to make things palatable and generic for everyone but if it's within your power to do something that's really niche and really you then you shouldn't compromise because someone is going to get offended by it. If that makes sense. It's like, it's, it's such a waste of imagination to go to a mm -hmm. bland place when you can go to an extreme place. I mean, yeah, you said some one word in there, corporate, like, I wonder, sometimes I wonder like who the people are that are actually complaining about these things. And if it's some kind of corporate agenda to kind of simplify things in a deeper way than we all are realizing i don't know do you mean in like but a massive conspiracy kind of zoomed out kind of way yes oh yes absolutely. <laughs> yes that would be way more exciting right way more exciting way more exciting than <laughs> the know? reality of people just being becoming really bland <laughs> well, i mean if anyone's gonna make us bland it's the it's the massive corporations right mm. you know so we just consume the things that they want us to consume and you know all of this you know the differentiation the differing art stuff that's that's coming up from all the creators is too much so let's simplify it so that everyone wants this kind of uniformed controlled safe sort of art well i mean content. you you have you've you've um you've touched on a really um relevant topic now because it's like the algorithm on social media is a big one so yes. people are getting shadow banned all over the shop and, you know, people making more provocative work or work with nudity or anything like that. Instagram is kind of just like 
like going no no and it's like you you know it's it's really crazy because instagram and social media is where because i you know something i remember during because i did advertising school for a while which was a big mistake but it's something that they said at advertising school is like you advertise where people spend the most time so once upon a time that used to be television um radio in the car but now it's social media so social media as much as people might think it's like really flippant or you know it's not a big deal it is a really big deal because it is where people spend all their time and if you're an artist on social media trying to get traction and get your name out there and you're getting shadow banned as in like the algorithm literally suppressing your posts then that's kind of this weird uh censorship thing that's going on you know and that's it's 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 insane because it's like well where how else are we supposed to show our stuff because especially in a time of covid now there is no you know there's no galleries um well there are galleries but it's just like it's not the same like, everything's kind of online and so if that's the only voice you have and it's being suppressed then it's like what's the alternative for us to do i think there is an alternative and isn't there a way to kind of go like that like i feel like reddit is a big part of this alternative right right yeah when you think right when you think about like Reddit being what it is, almost like the um, the anti-social media in some respects. Maybe not a hundred percent, but I think very much so. Like when you think about the whole GameStop thing that happened and why they did it, you know, what the whole um, I don't know if you're are you aware of that, James? I am. Yeah. Okay, so it's like when that whole thing happened, it's like when, you know, I think it kind of also showed Reddit on the forefront of like what what its community really is doing. And I mean, that's one of the few places I think you can go to and not have to, at least right now, not have to worry about being shadow banned or being restricted in, in your art. I mean, that's why so many, what the only fan creators go there, the artists go there, everybody goes there now because it's just, it's the, it's the almost the social, it's like the anti-social media, right. social media club. You know what I mean? Well, it's social media in the sense it's in, in a, in a purer sense in that you can just post whatever and you aren't getting suppressed because i mean so right now instagram feels like when you're at a house party and like someone's parents are there you know what i mean yeah, yeah it's like it's like oh yeah. cool you can you can party and have fun up until a certain extent and then you get shadow banned or you get your post deleted or something but yeah you're right reddit, yeah. reddit is um kind of like the wild west in that regard which is and you know twitter as well like i didn't realize it yeah. Um, I had to get back on Twitter recently to promote NFT stuff because apparently the collectors on NFT don't even look at Instagram, which is crazy because it's a visual medium, but they're on Twitter. And then when I got on Twitter, I was like, I hadn't been on Twitter since like 2017. And I was like, wow, there's like a lot of totally uncensored stuff on there. Yeah, it's it's interesting you say that too, because like I follow some artists and some uh, only fan creators and whatnot. And it, it's interesting because on on Twitter, it's just, it's so raw. Yeah, you know, it's so yeah. it's so just you see everything, or or there's no restriction. But then I, I have heard stories of people being banned as well, <laughs> uh, breaking like breaking breaking Twitter's guidelines, right? Like Donald Trump, you mean? <laughs> like Donald Trump, right? Exactly, exactly. So it's like, but I mean, granted, what he did was definitely not cool. <laughs> you heard of so, people, <laughs> right? a certain somebody. <laughs> Yeah, certain somebody, a certain, uh, a certain organization, huh? <laughs> no, it's, it's just, it's just, I don't know. I feel like when you bring that up too, it also makes it harder for, like, like kind of not even people who are doing, let's say, risk, risk, risque content. Uh, I think let's say more like just any business or any small, small art time artist trying to think. Like even us, when we were coming up at first, you know, even now it's so hard for us to get like consistent followers because it's like we're being 
you know, cast aside because of, you know, of these corporations having, you know, I think more of the control on Instagram and what the algorithm needs. And, you know, and, and we just don't, we don't hit that. And I feel like it's just, how do you make that peer again? And I don't know if there's any way to do that other than go to Reddit, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I am not on Reddit because I just know I will just get into a hole. Um, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of things that I'm kind of banned myself from because I, I know myself too well and I'll just like get it. So like, I'm not allowed to play video games. I'm not allowed to go on Reddit. I'm not allowed to, um, you know, things like discord, things like that. Like I just know that I'm like, that's a slippery slope for me. So yeah, I, I mean, but maybe I will, I don't know. There's a Reddit thread with one of my works in it. That's what I saw once where everyone was like, um, they hated it. And there was a whole thread about it. <laughs> a whole thread about it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that they hated it. <laughs> yeah. uh, really? That's man. They cared that much to do a whole thread about it. Huh? It was a, it was an artwork where it was like, there was a guy and he was on a motorcycle and the motorcycle had two sets of handlebars and five exhaust pipes. And he was holding a Nerf gun. Cause I had a Nerf gun oh. in the studio and I'm like, I want to give him a futuristic gun. So I use that as photo reference. And he's doing a burnout on an Android's head. And there's a whole forum. I'm not sure if it's like a whole forum, but there was a whole thread for a while um, that people kept sending me. They're just like, is this yours? Cause everyone fucking hates it. And I was looking at it <laughs> and um, the comments were just like, that's not a real motorcycle. And I'm like, yeah, dude, it's got two handlebars. It's great. They're like, that's, that's not real. There's like five exhaust pipes. This guy knows nothing about engineering. And it's like, I 100% know nothing about engineering. It's like, it's meant to be like a <laughs> cyberpunk surrealist kind of thing where people just weren't getting it. But it was, it was funny to watch people be like, this would, <laughs> like, oh, this work would be great if only he didn't have the Nerf gun in there because I have that gun too and it, it just ruins it for me. And I'm just like, because it's weird because you don't necessarily, although you do have comments in like Instagram, I rarely get people like, it's usually just like, oh, awesome, fire, that's sick. Um, I rarely get people being like, yeah, but no, you should change this. And da, da, da. I used, <laughs> I used to, I definitely used to like with my work. I think when I started out, people would be like, oh, it would be better if you change that to that. And I'm just like, oh, wow. I don't remember asking you for your opinion at all. But um, yeah, now I think it's mostly just like congratulatory in the comments, which is which is cool. But um, yeah, it was fun to see such a <laughs> negative reaction to my style. Yeah, that piece you're talking about is a bad sell. Bad correct? sell. That's one. That's one that just sold. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's 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 funny because it's like when you just say that really fast and you're talking about, you know, people not to like how it's not realistic, but it's like, why would you look at this picture and be like, wow, this is totally a real motorcycle? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> just, right. I mean, it's fascinating. <laughs> I find that it's, it's it's an interesting response to looking at art in general, where you're kind of looking at. I remember. Okay, so one of my favorite artists ever is uh, Rob Liefeld. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. Deadpool. Because he's yeah. he's ridiculous. I love Rob Liefeld, and um, I remember people were just always bagging at Rob Liefeld. They're just like, look how out of proportion this this stuff is. Like the his infamous Captain America chest piece. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I, yeah, but I, I loved it because I'm like, it's it's comic books, dude. It's not meant to be real. I mean, you were talking about guys fighting in space without spacesuits and things like like you know, it's like none of this was real in the first place. I don't know why we have to prescribe to reality. Yeah, that's such an interesting thing because it's like, you know, art, you put it out there, it's your work. It's obviously make believe in some form, and you know, unless you're painting a copy of a bowl of fruit or something, right? 
But like, it's not like you're asking people to critique it, but once you put it out there, it's almost like an open invitation for everyone to critique, say it's not good, say it should be this. Like, how much of that do you take in, you know, as an artist and how much of that are you just like, whatever, like, you know, I'm doing it. You want to see something, go make your own piece. I Well, that's that's kind of exactly what I do say most of the time. Um, (laughs) I always say, why don't you throw your hat in the ring? Like, like, especially if I get friends who are like, um, like dissing another artist. So I get like, you know, you, you know, you get like a certain crowd of people who are just like, they don't do anything, but they have a lot of opinions about what is out there. And so whenever I hear them say anything like that, I'm just like, well, you go make something better. You go do it. Because I think right. it's, I have more respect for people who actually just do what they say and put something out there. I think there's something more courageous about putting something into the real world than just literally just talking about it. And cause it's like, you, you know, you kind of talk to people sometimes and they're like real perfectionists. And so they don't ever release anything. And, but they are like super opinionated on stuff. And in terms of feedback, I like, there's two levels to that. Like, I don't really care much for feedback in terms of the subject matter that I have, but um, I do seek, I used to at least seek out feedback from the technical side of things. So I remember I was at a, um, a MondoCon once in um, Austin, Texas, and a, there was an artist that I really loved who was um, at a booth there called Dave Raposa. And I remember I took my, um, one of my books over to him and literally, so, cause I wanted to just ask for like, just like a critique of my work. And he said something to me that was like, you know, I remember to this day, he was just like, you make, you draw really cool stuff, but there's, um, he's like, there's no lighting source. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, the light's coming from everywhere. And I was looking at my, and that kind of blew my mind because up until that point, yeah, I had no lighting source. And so he's just like, just, you know, think about where, every, cause I, the way I draw is I use like a lot of photo reference. And so I'm like Frankensteining together um, photo reference from all different stuff. And the PSD files, like the Photoshop photo collages themselves look pretty crazy. But, uh, and every now and then I show them on, on Instagram, but it's like, they are all from different lighting sources. You know, so say for instance, you get like a tiger paw from one thing and then you know, attach it to like a skeleton arm and then you attach it to like, um, you know, a Lamborghini engine. And then you put all that together, then you draw it. It's all coming from different lighting sources. And so after that, I was like, cool. I started putting like cast shadows. I started being, being like, okay, imagine the lights coming from the top or the left or the bottom or whatever. And it kind of changed my work on a technical level really well. But yeah, in terms of subject matter, I, I'm kind of like, that's, that's, that's me, you know? So I don't really want to, um, I don't really care much for people's opinion on subject matter. People are just like, oh, you should draw more realistic proportions or um, you shouldn't have be like, you know, headless people. I'm just like, well, I, you know, it's too bad. Like then you, what, you go, you go draw something with a head on it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's really even criti- I mean, is that really even constructive? No, it's not. Right. It's just, it's just you not, or whoever it may be just not liking something because it's not to your liking. Right. It's just, it's not really like a great way to evaluate art. I would say. Right. Well, it's weird because in art it's different than like, you don't go to, you know, a plumber and say, why did you put this toilet in here like this? The toilet should be like this, you know, the pipe should go this way. You don't do that. So, but for some reason with art, people feel this entitlement to just tell the artist what they should have done or, or these, these questions of why did you do this? And it, it's not like that in other, in other forms of work. So it, it's interesting. And, and yeah, as an artist, it's, it's like, you have to keep like, I don't know, or you don't, 
keep coming up with reasons or, or explanations for, for what you do. I think we see a lot of that in um, murals, I think, because murals are inherently public art. So when, when, we, when people make murals, there is this kind of idea that um, it needs to serve the community or it needs to serve the public in a way because it is so visible. And I'm kind of in two minds about that because like my approach to murals is very like, I don't come from a graffiti background in any sense, but I like graffiti's um, approach where it's just like, it's art inflicted on public space. It's not art because of the, like, like it, I hate like community murals basically. So it's just like, I hate any kind of mural where it's just kind of like, oh, the everyone got to be involved and the artist just had to draw what everyone wanted and make the whole entire community happy because that work like that ends up being like uh, Homer Simpson's car and like the Simpsons and that episode where he just puts everything into the car. And it's just like, I mean, that looked awesome actually, but um, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, I don't think the community needs to necessarily have a say. And so whenever I, I do murals and I don't really get to do a lot of murals here in Australia, I actually do like more of the best murals I've ever done, like kind of in America um, because I get to do whatever I want. And it's like, it's exactly what I want. And I put it up there and um and people dig it. Whereas here, it's kind of like, oh, you can't have that as a skull. It's going to scare the kids or it's going to do that. And we see a lot of that discourse in in, in more mural stuff. I think, um, well, I happened the other day. It's like one of my friends, uh, Tatiana Suarez, she did a mural. I think, I think it was in Hawaii. I'm not sure. I could be wrong. But it was like, no, it was in Florida, I think. And it was like a mermaid riding a manatee. And it was just this innocent thing where she was, that's kind of like the stuff that she does. But there was a huge kerfuffle about it because there, there was something in the news about a manatee, some controversy with a manatee, and they're just like, oh, too soon. <laughs> or something oh, like that. It's like, no, how dare she? <laughs> hey, James, let me ask you this. Uh, on Mural is one form of your art, and then you've got some of these art pieces of art on your website, which are, are like kind of, they're almost animated style, where it's it's a, it's a, you know, it's a piece of your art and then there's pieces of the art that are turning and there's like this confetti. And when I see that, it makes me think of like the whole NFT thing that's like catching like wildfire right now. And has, has any of your art or have you tried dipping your toe in any of the NFT scene? It seems like your artwork would be perfect for, for that. Yeah, I started what, two what? weeks ago. Um, I sold the, so I had, I've had two drops now. So I had two sets. So first set was the exactly the one you're talking about, um, which is from the Inferno show that I had at, at Super Chief. So at Super Chief, they were paintings. So there's physical versions of the works as well. But I always do a thing where I kind of, if I can animate something, I will. And so it exists in kind of two places. It exists physically and it also exists like online. And I think the NFT thing has been really wild in the sense that um, it's kind of weirdly this, finally a place for that work to exist because previously all that work could exist is like on the internet and on Instagram. So you just do a post, get the likes and that's about it. And now with NFT, it's like, you can sell it. And so that thing sold for, um, I think double the, the actual painting, you know? So isn't that, so this is the one just so our listeners, there's a, there's a piece with like, there's a, a man in some kind of bondage holding up a, a woman with one arm. And then there's like these, these spinning, Yang yang signs and confetti going in front is that the same yep one you're mm -hmm. referring to okay yeah 
And so you're saying the NFT sold for double of the, and that's an actual painting, not just a digital artwork. So the way I work is that I start everything digital first because my studio setup is literally just like a laptop and my Wacom Cintiq. So I can kind of work from anywhere. Like right now I'm like working out of my girlfriend's bedroom. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's like uh, I work everything digital first and then depending on what it needs to be, if it needs to be physical, then I turn it into a physical thing. But it kind of, I kind of work um, as long as there is like all the kind of um, the nuts and bolts of the work, so to speak, are all done digitally. And that way, I think I, I kind of started working that way because of um, a lot of like commercial illustration. So when I was doing a lot of commercial illustration, a lot of stuff needs to be edited and uh, changed and backed up. And, um, you know, you can change things kind of endlessly. And so I'm just really used to working that way. And also I started when I first went to art school, while I was doing screen printing. So in screen printing, it was a lot easier. We were kind of had to have digital files for everything to make, to burn the screens and everything. So I'm just really used to working that way. But then if it needs to be like, for instance, like a ballpoint drawing, or if it needs to be a mural, or if it needs to um, be anything physical, that's the next step. So these started off digital and then I turned them into paintings. But people didn't realize they were paintings when I showed them. They thought that they were prints, but they were paintings. Yeah, they, they look when you see it i wouldn't assume that it was a painting so i imagine the paintings amazing and so and for you the nft stuff you found it to be quite successful like it's it's you get it it's it's going for you because i i try to understand it all and i just feel like i'm trying to learn another language i, I mean it's it's i don't know it's very complex but it, you found a way to, to to get in there and find a groove yeah, yeah. um i I always make a joke that like, cause whenever everyone asks me about it, I'm just, they're just like, how did you get onto it? And I was just like, oh, I got a Gen Z to explain it to me. Um, but my, <laughs> which is my friend. That's what I need. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. You always need a Gen Z in your life, dude. Um, but it turns out my you friend, find a Gen Z. yeah, my friend, well, my friend that got me onto it, David Port Beckfield, he, um, he isn't a Gen Z. He's like 30. He's just smart. <laughs> <laughs> he's just smarter than me definitely yeah, yeah. but he kind of he smart. really helped yeah. me get onto it because i remember there was a period of time where i was kind of like oh i don't need anyone's help i can do this myself and i was going on youtube looking up like what is ethereum and you know just having a bunch of guys in like polo shirts trying to explain it to me and i felt like i was like i don't know getting inducted at like a boost juice or something like that i was like this is not <laughs> this is not working for me i was looking for like a cartoon to explain it to me um, I couldn't find it. And so then I just called my friend and I was like, I need you to talk me through this. And he's, he's really patient and he's done that with like a lot of artists. So he's, I'm really grateful to him. And um, he's gotten like a lot of us on board, but it is, I wrote like a really, I'm writing a guide with him now. Um, just like a really simplified guide because I was also sick of just sending people the same messages in my, um, over Instagram. But um, it is kind of a weird thing to wrap your head around. It seems really like, kind of like, what's the word for it? Like, um, like it, it can come and go at any point. Like it, it can just disappear yeah. into a mist and it's could be a flash in the pan. And I, I know a lot of people who have like been dissing it and, um, saying that it's like all crap and this is dumb and da, 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 da. like a lot of people don't understand the whole Beeple thing and why Beeple is such a big deal. Um, yes. And that's, you know, that, that kind of shows that there is a whole different market for this stuff. It's, it, this isn't the kind of people, the people buying this stuff aren't people who would traditionally buy a painting to like stick in their um, lounge room. You know, it's like, 
we're talking about a completely different audience who are into different kinds of art. And so it's like, I'm, I'm really into that because I always found that like my work kind of exists in this weird in-between space as well. And so that's why I kind of like, as soon as I saw it, well, not as soon as it happened, I was doing like a show at the time. So I didn't really have time, but um, eventually when I got onto it, I was like, damn, this is like where a lot of this nerd stuff can live. Yeah, it, it is interesting. It's, it's like, sometimes I feel I, I, it's like people aren't even buying it. It's almost like a, just a way of showing clout to show that you've been able to buy and add to your collection, right? In that world that you have these pieces of art and it's, it's like showing your, yeah, I guess showing your digital uh, wealth clout, right? Is that well, uh, yeah. Another way of looking at some of it is the simplest way of kind of thinking about it is it's like trading cards. And so, yeah. yeah, so people are collecting them and that's why it's a good idea to, when you post anything, you post it in a set because people kind of want to get the whole set. And, um, if you think about it in that way, another thing that happens with trading cards is that you say, for instance, you get, or like, you know, comic books or whatever, but it's like with trading cards, say for instance, you get like a super rare one, um, you can flip it and it goes up in value. So I think another thing that these people are doing because they're making so much money on crypto and making exorbitant amounts of money on crypto, and then they're not really cashing out because they don't want to, for instance, like maybe pay tax on it or whatever. There's, there's just a lot of money just sitting around online which is scary and surreal and dangerous. And so they, I guess, would rather put it into something that will hold its value much in the same way that you would hold um, buy gold, right? So you buy gold, so it goes up with inflation. And so these people want to buy this artwork because it goes um, in hopes that it will go up. So what happened the other day? I think there was um, Azealia Banks and her fiance made like a audio sex tape art thing. And that sold for, I think about, Sir, $10,000. That's all for $10,000. But then the person who bought it is now trying to flip it for, I think, like 12 million. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> so there's like a lot of that stuff going on. So you can buy, you can enter the market, you buy cheap or, you know, to, to an extent cheap because it's essentially it's like bidding. So whoever bids the most gets it. And then you kind of either keep it for the clout or, you know, or you flip it and make money. And every time you do flip it and make money, the artist, gets like 10% of that, I think, depending on the website. It, it is, it is a whole new thing for artists to like, to, to grasp on. And I'm an artist myself. So I feel like if I don't get a hold on it and understand it while it's, while it's good, I'm, there's like, like this FOMO, like I'm going to miss out. On there's something, massive so FOMO. Hurry yeah. Up. yeah. <laughs> there's massive FOMO. I mean, it's kind of one of those technologies, right? Where it's just like, I, you know, a lot of technology kind of comes and goes like I, never got onto vine i still don't understand tiktok um but when this came around <laughs> yeah. yeah when this came around i was like okay i can I, this is actually important i need to kind of get onto this because this is gonna it, it might come and go i don't know but the fact that it came and is here means that it's going to change our view of things and especially it came in a right time um during COVID as well because we are kind of like indoors you know, we are there. Yep. The way we ex our experience of art now is on our computers. So it's yeah, it's a lot of it's kind of sync. Um, there's a bit of synchronicity with that, where it's kind of like we are moving to the more of this like online world. You know, Ready Player One kind of <clears throat> um, world. Do you um, do you think that NFT and the way it's kind of moving is it moving possibly too quickly? 
Because I feel like it just kind of became popular overnight. Um, well, I tell you what, when I got on to, so I'm on a site called Foundation, and that's like one of the top five. And I got that because my friend gave me an invite and the invites are rare as hell. I don't, I'm not getting any new invites. And so people keep asking me about it. I just don't literally don't have any more. Um, when I got on, I think there was like 200 people. And then by the end of the week, there was 600. And now I don't even know how many are on there anymore. And it is, the market is getting saturated at a very rapid rate. And the problem with that is you literally just can't see what's out there. Like it's you, you're, you're just getting pushed to the bottom or like whatever. And, um, it is, yes, yeah, because, you know, it's like, especially after COVID, everyone's like hell broke, right? And right. if you're hell broke and you're an artist and, you know, even before COVID, artists have been like hell broke uh, and you finally have this medium where people are paying like crazy amounts of money for essentially just like a file that you have on your desktop, um, everyone's going to hop onto it. And it seems like a get rich quick scheme and it seems like everyone's kind of hopping on the bandwagon. And I think there is going to be some kind of teething with it, but, um, and growing pains with it, but I don't know where it's going to end up. I think it was a really good time, maybe a month ago to be an NFT uh, artist. And I saw a lot of stuff going for real crazy stuff, like crazy prices, but now things are still going like the Nyan cat sold on foundation for like 500,000, Yeah, you know, and if, yeah. What's crazy about the foundation, what's crazy about the Nyan cat is that it's been around forever, right? Like, so it's just it's it just it's just one type of art that's i mean have, i actually haven't seen the piece this is the piece different than anything else that they've done before no no it's just the cat it's the cat. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm saying that's insane <laughs> i mean i think i think grumpy cat was up for auction last night i don't know how grumpy cat how much grumpy cat went for but um it's it would wow be i mean like they're even selling you know uh play like the nba is selling like a play on on as an nft and you could buy like a play like this like and you own that play yeah it's, it's wild just, it's it's mind-boggling it doesn't yeah. it's uh, but james one more quick before i know we got to wrap up soon but i wanted to ask you this and you mentioned a little bit of it on your on your website and you living in australia and and you know, being someone who's not, I don't know, I guess for lack of a better description, just white. Like, <laughs> I know there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of racism towards like the aboriginals are like, and, and is that really a thing that you have to constantly deal with there in Australia as, as like a person of color and like, you know, not just like the norm, I guess, of like, how does that affect, how has that affected you there with your art as far as like, trying I to think, um, it, yeah it, it, that's a good question um in australia i think um and as much as we hate to admit it the racism here is so deep and so ingrained that it's kind of like you know that uh metaphor it's like a fish has no word for the sea because it's in it always it doesn't know that it's in the sea it's just um because that's its whole world i think that's that's in a lot of ways i've felt growing up as like you know like uh thai chinese in australia that that's, you know, the racism is so prevalent and so ingrained that when you tell people something's racist, they immediately get defensive and they will not change or um, look at it in a, it's, it's obviously getting different now, but um, Australians don't think that they're racist and, but they are. And I'm not saying all of them are, but I'm saying there's a lot of like real racist stuff 
really deeply ingrained. And I think that, you know, I think in every, every kind of culture, you kind of have that, you know, like I was living in Thailand for a year and um, they're hell racist, you know, and it's kind of, it was really wow. interesting to me um, being, because the thing is like, I'm a minority here and in Thailand, I'm not the minority. I am the majority there. And so it was really weird to see that, that switch between if you're a minority in a country, you're a lot more um, aware of racism than if you're a majority in a country. So in Thailand, they're just, been, they're doing like, I've been hearing like crazy racist shit being said. And I'm just like, wow, you guys do not know what it feels like to be a minority because you didn't grow up in, in that setting, you know, like you're always like the majority. And so within Australia, the way that's kind of affected me is it's, on a very basic level and a very general level, I've always ever felt like I don't belong here. And I, growing up, I was just always made to feel like I don't belong here. And in a way that kind of like, um, just shapes my kind of personality. So I always just kind of feel like I'm kind of in between worlds. Cause it's like, I don't, be in Thailand, you know, I, I speak very terrible Thai and I dress different, I look weird. And it's like, I don't really fit in there as much either. But yeah, there's, I, there's nuances between different places, obviously. And I think whenever I'm in like America, there's a real difference there where I'm just like, oh shit, like, you know, especially like more melting pot kind of cities like New York or like LA where you have so many different cultures in Sydney, where I'm from is kind of a city like that, but there is still, um, yeah, there's still, I don't know. It's kind of like you, it's kind of, kind of like a Twilight Zone episode, you know, you kind of like, uh, everything's fine until you hear a little thing and you go like oh shit that's right we live we're actually on the moon so it's yeah it is weird and it has definitely affected me growing up in in good and bad ways um but you know i do i do love it i'm not talk, like i like it's i do love sydney and i do love australia so but it, yeah it does have its own um issues with that race thing we do have to wrap up but i wish we i, I would love to have you back on and kind of talk more into detail about kind of all that because i have lots of personal feelings on that too mm. and uh if, well, if you're ever I'll, interested in coming back oh anytime man i love uh <laughs> i love talking shit <laughs> <laughs> good that's what we do here i guess <laughs> well, it, yeah and it's just that topic is so interesting because it's such a it's a prevalent topic now here in the states mm -hmm. you know and and like you're on the other side of the world and there's its own version of it happening there and i just think it's Absolutely, good for people yeah. to know that like it's not just here in the United States where we're dealing with racism on, you know, on the scale it's embedded in a lot of cultures and the way you cancel that, if you want to talk about canceling stuff is to talk about it yeah. consistently and keep mm. bringing it up so that we can, you know, we can cancel it. Right. Well, it was really uh, interesting in, um, in Australia when the BLM stuff was happening in the States. Um, uh, one of the more immediate responses that people were having here were um, we're not like that. We don't do that. And then when people were bringing up BLM stuff here, we, um, pe people were reacting like, why are we bringing that up here? We're not racist. We don't do any of that. But it's just like, yeah, we do. It is, it happens here too. But people are just like, no, it doesn't. It's just like a blanket den denial of it. It's just like, no, 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 no. That's an American thing. Americans are racist, not us. And it's like, that was really surreal to see because um, it's a complete lack of awareness of what's going on in your own backyard kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, man, I will. We need to go. Yeah, we'll definitely come back because I want to go in detail about this. <laughs> um, I have a lot to say on that matter. Um, but James, thank you so much for taking the time and being here. Uh, what we thank usually you. do, how we how we wrap the show 
is we usually always ask whenever our guest is an artist of any kind, we always ask them to recommend one comic book or novel or whatever to our audience for them to check out. So I would like to ask you that same question. What would you recommend for our audience to read this week? Uh, dude, um, uh, the, on the Skinner episode, he already recommended Immortal Hulk, but that's what I've been reading. Uh, that one's really good, but not to double that. I, uh, what is it? I really like, um, damn, I think it's called Nemesis. You know, the, Nemesis. it's the, it's about the, the evil Batman. Uh, I think it, Batman. Mike, you know what he's talking about? Nemesis. No, hold on. No. It's, it's like a closed story. Yeah. Nemesis. That's my favorite. I like that one. Uh, Mark Miller did that. Yeah. Did? Yeah, man. Really? It's, um. Yeah, so uh, not to spoil it or anything, but it's like, what if Batman, like, rich guy, da 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 da, was not a superhero? Interesting. So he's like a super criminal. Huh. <laughs> and he so, looks so, like Batman. so it's Batman. Oh, really? So, but it is Batman, right? Or no? It's not Batman, but it looks like it's Batman without his ears. And gotcha. he's in all white. Gotcha. So, what Mark Miller is really um, good at doing is that he makes like, uh, closed stories. So he did like I think he did like Wanted, right? But it's like it wraps yes, he up. Did wanted, yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. an ongoing thing. It's just like there was a start and a finish to it. And I think that's why like a lot of his stuff is like really easy to be adapted into film. Not that Wanted was a particularly good ad- adaptation. Of <laughs> yeah, comic I was like, Wanted was super off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like someone someone was like telling someone the synopsis for Wanted, and they're like, "That's great. I don't want to hear any more." And then they didn't, and then they just. <laughs> <laughs> they made the movie and it's just like uh did you want to know how it ended in the comic because uh it's got nothing to do with it. <laughs> did you read wanted mike i did read some of it yeah i didn't read the whole shebang i love it so i mean it's super different like right away <laughs> yeah i love it but then like and really quickly like talking about like mark mark miller because I, I do love his work the only thing that I think they they made a mistake on is with Kickass because like Kickass was great and then now it just keeps continuing, <laughs> and it's not with him anymore. But like I mean, I don't know. I thought Kickass one was phenomenal and it could have just stayed as Kickass. But I mean, you know, money talks. I guess money so, talks. Sitting with that one, that one and Powers. I don't know if you ever read that one. He did too, but Powers is awesome as well. I haven't read that. I mean, I'll maybe after I finish Immortal Hulk. <laughs> Mortal Hulk is incredible. I can't I've, recommend I mean, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, and I don't want to double down on that either, but uh, Mortal Hulk is so Dude, damn good. It's, it came out of nowhere. It's so yeah. good. It's so good. Uh, Mike, have you read that yet? Yeah, after Skinner, I, I picked up the first trade, and it's interesting. It's how it's like a, a Jekyll and Hyde, more Jekyll and Hyde version of, of Hulk, yeah. right? Like, am I, am I on the right train there with that? They kind of go back to this whole kind of mythology of the Hulk where it's kind of like with the TV series, it's like he comes out at night and it's all like kind of semi-supernatural. And I think more often than not, what happens in the Marvel universe lately is that so much is like meant to be tied into like existing stuff in which they do, like there's, the Avengers are in it, but it also kind of takes a lot of creative license to be like, I don't want to give anything away, but it, it's a lot of supernatural stuff and it's, oh, it's so cool. It's so good, yeah. You, uh, it's one of the best current running Marvel series for sure. Yeah. Uh, but yes, so you know what? We'll give you two recommendations. Yeah. <laughs> we'll give you Mark Millar's uh, Nemesis, and then of course the Immortal Hulk. Uh, James, thank you again for being on. Uh, Mike, do you have any last words? Yeah, just um, James, your website's amazing. The art's on there. Thank um, would you. you 
would you announce your website to our listeners so they can go check you out there? My Please. website is jirat, J-I-R-A-T dot J-P, uh, which is just my initials. I don't actually live in Japan. Um, oh. And my Instagram is oh. James Jirat. So J-A-M-E-S-J-I-R-A-T. Awesome. Thank you so much, James. Again, we hope to have you back on because there's a lot we have to talk about still. So. Yeah, we, uh, that was the tip of the iceberg. Of, I, can, I could talk for ages on that other stuff. Yeah. yeah yes, no, both you, of us can too. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, James, you're great. The way that you can just have the conversation go. It, you're a great pleasure to talk to. Thank Your you. art's amazing. Thank you so much. You're a, a, a charm of a human. So thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Yeah. You said it the best. So, of course, <laughs> as, as always, Everybody love each other, respect each other. We need that more now than ever. And everybody, we'll see you next week. Goodbye to James Girat, and thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. That was really, really kind words. Thank you.